0: His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Your love forever. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, that we've been following you all, all our lives, and uh, you are the passion, God, that just literally drives our life. And I'm so thankful, and I'm thankful that you bring refreshing you bring new, you bring cries of breakthrough, you bring cries of revival. You bring all those things because you're always making things new. And Lord, we know we are entered in to a new season. Lord, I know Marty and several others said we've already crossed over. Now we're stepping on the giants. God, I praise you and thank you for mighty warriors. For mighty people of faith. And Lord, they're not there's not an age difference here in that. Lord, it's a mighty people of faith who've believed you. And God, we want to believe you more. That's just where we're at. I want more. I want to believe you more. So come, Lord. Come. I've always wondered about why um there's a constant flow of prayer and i remember and this was a word to this house it was from david dryling who was definitely considered one of the kansas city prophets and so he was recognized as that and he said don't ever forget your prayer your house of prayer he said you're built on that you're built on your house of prayer don't ever forget it because we were looking at the land and they re- went out and drove a stake and we'd had Will Ford come out and we'd had all of those things happen. He said, but don't ever forget the house of prayer. Don't ever forget your prayer. And I thought, why would you say that? Because at that point we were probably in some intense time of prayer. And then I watched um, Lou Engel and I watched The Call and they went through a season where it was difficult and it was dry And I watched that when we walked through that with Sally, and I watched that. And there was a season where it was like we're going to pray, but we're praying the same old things, and nothing feels new, and I don't know how to do this. Well, we had this season another time in our lives. And we had moved here, and um, we had lost our son, and we had gone through a lot of trials, but we were hungry for something new. And there was just a couple of us at the time. And at that point, I had never groaned in the spirit, didn't even know what it was, other than I saw it in the scriptures. We'd had, um, we had had baptism of the Holy Spirit and doctrines of that and moves of that, but not, not anything that was ongoing and pressing. And so I remember, in fact, um, uh, Kim was with me. We went to see John Wimber, and he was one that had a movement of the Holy Spirit with Vineyard. And we went to uh, Chicago. And it was the first time I'd ever seen manifestations of the Spirit. And there were things happening all over. It was 3,000 people in this huge auditorium. And manifestations of the Spirit were happening everywhere. And they were incredible. I mean, they were incredible. People were jerking and doing things that there was no way their body could do. And, and I was laughing because it was so much fun. I mean, I knew it was God. I could feel him. I remember when we went to see Benny Hinn, and um, there was a group of us went, and I took our kids, and we weren't sure about him either, you know. And we got to the outside of the building, and the Lord said, do you feel me? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And we went in. And I remember we had older teenage boys at that time, and they were kind of scoffing. And we were in there, and and Benny went like that, and they fell flat on the ground. And, I mean, I remember that, and it was like, do you know that I'm way bigger than what you know? Do, do you know I'm bigger than your doctrines and how you've established what I'm going to do? So in that season, I got so hungry that I found myself groaning. And then I found a scripture that made me feel better. So said the Holy Spirit groaned. So that made me feel better about it. And then I started reading about revival and different ones, praying hide and different ones that groaned in the spirit before that that happened. And then I was reading just recently Evan Roberts, but I read it again, and I was telling the kids because a lot of people are on vacation right now. And so the worship on Friday night was smaller than it had been. In fact, it had been packed before, and it was smaller. And I said, Evan Roberts heard the word about prayer. And he said, you want to move with God, then you make sure you're at prayer meetings. You make sure you go. So he went to every prayer meeting he could find. And so he was hungry for that, and he did that for 13 years. So it's not like we're talking a wimpy, wimpy thing going on here. And, and I've been to Mariah Chapel where it started, and it was little, littler than this church. It was little. It was probably maybe cut it down there. I mean, it's not, it wasn't any bigger than that, and it might have even been a little bit smaller than that. And there were only 13 people in the meeting, and the Holy Spirit broke out and touched the whole world. Why? Because God moves through the power of prayer, and he moves through this hunger. And D.L. Moody, I remember reading him a long time ago, and he says, why do we cry out for revival in these things? Because we leak. Anybody here feel like they leak? You know that God is good. You had this wonderful manifestation, and then you go through life, and you feel like you leaked somewhere along the way, and you got discouraged where the Holy Spirit was so prevalent and powerful he was at that point you're just in a new place you're in a new place where you're crying out again make all things new so we were clear back at that time and I was so dry and there was uh people upset in the church and uh, you know there w- they were upset about I don't know what people people can be upset you know I I always hear this and I, I want you to hear this what's well, the church that hurt me that's why I'm I'm thinking have you ever hurt anybody come on it's people it's not a church. It's not a body of believers. It's people. We hurt each other. And you know what? I have never, that I know of, intentionally hurt anybody. That I know of. I don't have it in my memory. I, I haven't. But I know I have. And I am totally sorry. I am totally sorry that I've hurt people. I'm totally sorry that maybe I didn't notice you that day. Or I don't know. I'm sorry. But the church is just people. And so there's no excuse about in the church or out of the church. Come on. People hurt people. They're not, the messes that happen on the earth are not just the church. It's just people. And we've got a redeemer that came to heal people. So we're here where the doctor is. And he's healing hearts. We're here where the doctor is. So um, I'm here because I need it. Okay, so here we were in this place, and I was broken. We were dealing with financial stuff, and I just groaned. And I went down to Teresa Burnett's, and, and uh, Andrew was with us, and, and we just got on our faces. We didn't even pray. And it was just this whole time, and it wasn't hard. I wasn't weeping. I wasn't, wasn't bawling. It wasn't a you know, pity thing. I just groaned. And I groaned and groaned, and afterwards it felt good that I groaned. So something was birthing, and I didn't know it. And then I did it again. And then we ended up, Ron said, because I was a wreck, because I'm always a wreck at birth, and Ron said, I'm going to send, send her uh, to Passion for Jesus. Well, I didn't know it was Toronto. And we had prayed about going to Toronto, but it was 12 hours away, and it was only eight to go to Kansas City. Well, the whole Toronto group came and filled the auditorium, and I went. We took a group of seven of us, and we went, and I groaned, and I cried out, and the Holy Spirit came in a way that I've never seen. Manifestations were happening all over the place, but it came to us. Marty didn't believe in it, she wasn't sure what she thought, and then she's on the floor laughing, right between the aisles, I mean, for hours and hours. I've seen people drunk in the spirit or drinking in the spirit, kind of, and I'm thinking, I think they're making it up, you know. And sometimes you can just get a little tipsy, and that's good. And then there's times you're drunk. And I got drunk in the spirit, and I didn't know I did. I mean, nobody touched me. I'd had nobody pray for me, nothing. I went up because I was desperate, and I fell to the ground, and I laid there. And I thought it was about two minutes. I really did. And I opened my eyes. And the whole place was empty. And I cried out to God, what in the world? And then I started laughing because I couldn't get up. And then I started crawling. And they're back there, and Marty's still rolling on the floor. And I mean, it was like, what is happening to us? I mean, all I knew, it was God was loving us. And and we got back. I got back to my seat. I crawled. I didn't even care what people thought because I couldn't help it anyway. And supernatural. This is supernatural. I'm telling you, can't do it. I bowed like this. I bowed like this. Like that. For three solid days, I bowed like that on the toilet. I bowed like that in bed. I bowed. I mean, my hair was filthy because it was on the ground almost all the time, and I couldn't help bowing. And then I would laugh because I had bowed. I couldn't sleep. We got. I. I. It's crazy. I drove the van back to the hotel, and I mean, I ended up in the bucket, the trash bucket, right next to us. I mean, I am laughing so hard, and I am going. What in the world's going on? I don't know, but don't stop. Don't stop Jesus. Don't stop what you're doing. The river was flowing, and he somehow got us back to the hotel well, then we couldn't get in our room. So half of us spent the night in the van laughing. I mean, it was amazing hour. It was amazing time. Well, we brought it back. We brought the bomb back. We thought, oh, boy, this church is going to love this. <laughs> Come on. And it exploded, and guess who took it? The youth. The youth were on the ground. They were rolling, and they were taking it because they, they knew. And we had adults in the back going, there's no way. There's no way we're having this kind of stuff happen. We're not having this here. And my kids, get them up off the ground. And I didn't have a clue. I mean, I'm clueless. I'm going, why don't you want this? This is so cool. I mean, can't you feel Jesus? I mean, I had no clue of what God was doing. But he opened a river. And then we ended up going to Brownsville. And it opened a river for us. And it opened a place where God began to flow deeper in an area that God needs to flow Anybody want to say God needs to flow in this area? It's not just Bethel. It's not just uh, Texas. It's not just it's here too. Well, saying all that, that deep intercession has come again. And I had had that. And, I, and usually it comes a lot of times when things are hard and I've had some seasons of real grief and Ron getting cancer and the kids and just life, just life, just life. And I found myself in that place of intercession. And last Sunday um, we had a leadership meeting. And my favorite thing about our le- leadership meeting is not all the decisions they make. In fact, when we get in the flesh, we can't figure out things we just can't. We're all got different opinions. But man, when we pray in the Spirit, and it's just like when we sing and worship here, all of a sudden heaven came down. And I felt like something birthed in the Spirit and then on tuesday when we got together something happened again and it was just a group of mighty warrior women and it was just but it was the same thing it wasn't hard we didn't work it wasn't like oh we got to figure out what to pray for now let's talk about our prayer requests it was nothing like that it's been nothing like that it's just like worship did we think about this it wasn't any thought it was just god you're doing something and uh i said something about God's called us to raise up the family mountain. He's called us to this area for this thing. And Marty and Kristen both looked and said, and lightning struck right behind you right when that happened. That's a sign and a wonder. And then I just read a word on Chuck Pierce the very next day that said God's going to move and lightning strikes. It's going to be a suddenly just like that he's going to move. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I was desperate in that hour That I told somebody, I said, this is like the prayer that we had. This is what happened before the big move of God came. Well, you guys know, if you read Elijah List or any of the prophets of God or any that they're telling about all these moves of God, that God is getting ready to move. I saw it when we were worshiping on um, on, uh, Friday night on my... It, it's awesome when those kids start worshiping. I saw that, and I saw a mighty river, and I saw all the debris just literally being pulled out of this nation. I saw it, and it was, it was going. And I'm like, God, I see it. I can see it in the spirit. I really can. And then I read two words that I want I just want to read this because I feel like you guys can recognize Toronto. You guys can recognize Brownsville. And this one was, mark my words, this is what you're going to see in this next wave of the Holy Spirit for the last few months. I've been hearing the Lord say, I'm going to revisit what I did at Toronto with the Father's blessing. I'm going to move with great joy across the nations who will invite me in. And we did. You're welcome here, Lord. The joy will be undeniable, the strongest wave of joy ever experienced, full of glory. It will be joy that cannot be contained. Laughter will fill my church again, for the joy of the Lord is her strength. I will not hold back any good thing from her. I will overflow her heart with joyous praise and thanksgiving. It will be an indescribable joy that will flow like a river. This outpouring will heal broken hearts, traumatized spirits, and broken bodies. The fullness of my joy is being released. I will cause a fresh wind of change to blow in many hearts and a spirit of repentance will revive them, causing them to rush to the altars like the time, during the time of Brownsville revival. True change will take place in many lives because of the spirit of truth will visit them and they'll repent of their sins. My glory and my presence will be so strong in the sanctuary that my children will be unable to stand. Anybody remember that? (laughs) Unable to stand for my train will fill the temple and my glory will reign on them. The weight and heaviness uh, upon them will cause them to kneel in my presence. They will be physically unable to stand. They will not want to stand because they'll be enveloped in my love. My glory will be so strong that people will say, it felt like during the Catherine Coleman meetings, it will be so real and tangible. It's my glory that will cause many miracles and healings to take place. This is the way I've chosen to answer the cries of my children who have continually called to me to visit them again. I am revisiting what I poured out in 94 and the Toronto outpouring and the Brownsville revival. I'm healing my bride for the great harvest is at hand. I need my church to answer the cry of my heart. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm awakening your heart so you'll shine again and become fishers of men. I am coming swiftly, and my reward is with me. Who will prepare a place for me, says the Lord? Who will prepare a dwelling place for my glory? Who will prepare a place for me so that I can come and visit you again? I will come and knock. I will come and eat with you. I will come and drink with you. I will cause you to drink from the river of my pleasures again. I will even visit places that did not know I was coming. I love that. I will be their surprise guest, especially those who have been dry and thirsty for the drink that only... Only I can give. They will not know how to drink of my living water. I believe that was us at one time. So I will cause them to be refreshed, and they will welcome it. Many will welcome the fresh drink I bring, the new wine, but many will refuse me. And I'm not going on with that. Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Turn to me and enter into the greatest wave awakening history has ever seen. Now is the time. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Yield to my presence. Yield to the Holy Ghost. I am knocking. I, I'm i telling you, yes. I mean, I I know because we've been saying it too. You know, it, it's never a surprise to me because we're already speaking the the words that he says. And then this was the other one. And I don't know about you, but if you ever read words we rarely ever get mentioned in the midwest that's why i always talk about ruth heflin's word to me because um and in her book glory revival because the midwest hardly ever gets mentioned the east coast and honestly um, i think tony and kim were with us and we were out on the east coast we were brian simmons church and it was just like we saw a mighty revival coming in through the east, and it was that song, just Shine Jesus Shine, and He was coming in literally through the east coast, and it was going to be a huge great awakening. And so I, I knew, I knew then. I've known for a long time God's going to move, and He's coming in the east coast like He did when the great awakenings happened. And then we've known that He's coming in through California, and we know this great revival's happening already in California. Things are moving shifting and so i don't know about you but when you're a little child you say what about me daddy what about me i wasn't called to leave live on either coast we loved living in maine california's cool what about me daddy what about here and so i loved this word For this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans, and the dry land. I will shake all nations. What is desired by all the nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. I saw revival fault lines, and this guy's name's Chad, and I can't remember his last name. Taylor. I saw, revi- I saw revival fault lines like the fault lines in the natural, crisscrossing the nation, shaking and quaking, and awakening in the spirit. I saw the spiritual fault lines superimposed over natural fault lines, and I heard the Lord say, "Now is the time for the great shaking, shakings, and awakenings." And I promise that I promise to bring. And these fault lines, as these fault lines start to shake, it will depopulate hell and populate heaven. The Madrid fault line. Pick me. I don't want an earthquake, but pick us, Lord. The Madrid fault line and the natural sweeps through the heartland of America. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry. I started reading. <laughs> <laughs> Illinois, Indiana missouri arkansas kentucky tennessee oklahoma mississippi and beyond superimposed over this madrid fault line is a spiritual awakening that even now is beginning to stir it will shake entire cities like philip in acts 8 8 and there was great joy in that city of spencer yes okay These spiritual fault lines running near and even concurrent with the natural fault lines are beginning to break open and move, and the aftershocks will be felt worldwide. It will cause the walls of resistance that have withstood great spiritual awakenings in the past to suddenly fall flat like the walls of Jericho. Mountains of unbelief and doubt will suddenly be moved as countless begin to cry, "'Grace, grace to the mountains.'" What are you, great mountains? Before Zerubbabel, you'll become a plain. And he gave me that scripture this, this winter. And he will bring out the capstone accompanied by the shouts of grace, grace to it. And then he talks about the east coast and tells the, the fault lines of the east coast, which I want revival in the east coast. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying pick us, Lord. Lord, if you can pick Wales and a little Mariah Chapel, you can move here. And we're asking for an impacting over our whole region, not just, not just Owen County or Spencer, but the whole region. And so what I'm going to say is I believe that explains our cry for revival that's been happening in us again uh when we've been with the kids they've been doing i mean it's just been happening tony had i don't know almost a month of solid prayer with the kids i mean there's something going on and honestly it's not boring you know kids won't be there if it's boring they won't i mean uh, when i take the intercession group and and i had the littler ones because the older ones go back with ron on wednesday nights so i take the littler ones i mean they pray They want to come in and, you know, ma'am, are you going to do that tonight? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I see God moving and it's a gold river and it's got fire on it. I'm like, yes, all right, keep going. Because they do. They're not going to be hindered like we have been with walls and unbelief that have hindered the bigness of our God. Explains our cry for revival, but something happens in life as we go from glory to glory. Amen to the glory. On the road of life's hardships, we forget who we are in Christ it's not that we haven't had that message I memorized that message when my children were li- little for you are seated with Christ in heavenly places you've died and your life is not your own I mean I, I quoted that I memorized it and every single day I quoted that I'm seated with you Jesus I'm seated in heavenly places with you and I quoted that but I needed more encounter to see it so we go from glory of seeing, glory of seeing. And I'm going, I want to see more. I'm not leaving this earth yet, so I want to see all I can see. I'm the wide-eyed kid that goes, I want to see more. My goodness, we, don't, we haven't even touched what he wants to do. We forget our identity in our trials. In fact, our trials become our identity only to need it renewed and upgraded again. Pick me. We haven't lost it. It never changed. We're still the glorious sons and daughters. It never changed. But we are being changed. Our minds, are thinking, our hearts from each new drink, each new encounter, each new thing, God does cry out, people, for the new. He wants you to have The new. This season he's been stressing two things at least that I can see to me. One, no matter what you feel or no matter what you see, no matter how hard it is, you can trust him. He's good. And he has good for you. He has good for you in his hand. For we know How many can say that? We know. We know. We know. God causes, works all things for good for those who love Him and are called to His destiny for them. You know, I hear about dreaming with God, but do you understand when you dream with God, it's God's dreams? It's not that He doesn't love your dreams. But I can tell you, your dreams are your dreams until they're sanctified. They are. God wants us to dream his dreams. They're bigger. And he knows. I mean, I still think of Heidi, who knew she had the talent to be an incredible ballerina and her parents were going to pay for it. Now, don't you think she just missed it? Come on. And yet God said, that's not the dream I have for you. I'd like you to dance for me on the floor of a shack hut in Africa. That's where I'll be the audience of one who watches you. God wants us to teach our children our children his dreams. There, The sky's the limit of what you can do. But it's not what you choose it's what he chooses i want to tell you a message that needs to go out to the body of christ it's the most rebellious message on earth it's rebellious against the devil it's rebellious against the world if any man would come after me he'll take up my cross he'll take up that cross and he'll follow my way he will become my man he will become my woman and he will be powerful, sons and daughters. I'm not talking about he doesn't have good. I just said he has good. He wants to bring good in all things. But when your heart is crying out for what you want all the time, you've missed the call of God. We've seen it. The Lord, a lot of times when we've cried out for what we've wanted, the Lord's going, will you just give it to me? Anybody had had him say that? Well, you just give it? Give it to me? Will you just let it go? What if you let? What if I let it go? It's what, what I need. If you just let it go, I'll give you far more. I love this, and I, this is the um, other Bible I like. And Romans 8, I say this all the time, don't I? Romans 8 is one of my favorite, and I say that about every verse I ever read, so okay. But this is my favorite for this hour, for this moment. And I love Romans 8 is the it's finished new beginning chapter. It is. Romans 8 says there's no condemnation. Just follow the spirit. I saw that. It was so funny. I saw that in the leadership meeting. When we were moving in the spirit, we were just like, shh. And then we had some property issues to discuss. And there was 15 opinions in the room. And the husbands and wives had different opinions. And we were having all these. And I was laughing. I thought it was hilarious. And I thought, that's us. And it's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's work in harmony. But God is calling us to work with him. What's on his heart? We don't always know, do we? I don't. I think God's saying, well, work in harmony with your brothers and sisters, and you'll get there. Because they're listening too. Anyway, this is my scripture, 828. We are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything. I want you to say that. Everything. 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 Anything that you've got a burden about or is just a big, big uh, hurdle for you right now, I want you to declare everything. God is able to orchestrate everything. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Who's your daddy? Who's going to do it? It does not say you will orchestrate everything. That's condemnation. And we already had that removed. Who's going to orchestrate everything? How is the miracles going to come? If Mike's healed, who's going to heal Mike? Mike. Teresa's not going to strive and it's going to happen, is it? I'm not going to strive and it's going to happen either. So I'm just going to stand by the one who heals. And I'm going to say, He says He heals. Be healed. Who did it? God did. We are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and Beautiful and beautiful. Look at your hurdle again. Good and beautiful. Good and beautiful. Good and beautiful. Everything. Everything. Even this cancer. Good and beautiful. He's able to orchestrate it. Every trial, every debt, everything you've walked through. I'm telling you, that's sons and daughters who know their papa. Good and beautiful. God is able to orchestrate everything good and beautiful when we love him and we accept his invitation to live according to his plan. Whose plan? Whose destiny? When you pray, whose destiny matters? When you pray, whose plan matters? Is is there any limit to what he plans for you? Is the sky's the limit? Can you dream with him? Is it beyond, all beyond? But whose plan is it? So God is trying to say, children, get a hold of me. And you'll move higher and farther than you could ever imagine. He wants everyone healed. He wants signs and wonders. He wants revival here. But he wants children who believe he wants to do it. The other thing that he uh, has been speaking to us is that we're his sons and daughters. The other is his sons or daughters, royalty. I told Katie, I said, Alana has a beautiful gift. She does. She knows she's royalty. She was born with that. I think lots of little children are born with that sense of royalty. She's just a little princess that, Floats around and she knows she's royalty. Yeah, but it's not going to be hard for her to hear daddy. Come on. Most of us have felt like we were less than rejects and paupers. And so it's hard to hear daddy when he's trying to say all the time, Come on up here, honey. I got this for you. And you're going, I don't deserve it. You don't know. I've got an attitude in my heart that's not very good and I'm not very pretty and blah, 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 blah. And God's going, I want that changed. And we prayed that, and I loved what Joseph had said tonight, or today, too. Kings and priests of his kingdom, we are anointed. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. So here is uh, what all of creation is groaning for. I'm sure of this. The sufferings we endure now are not even worth comparing to the glory that's coming and will be revealed in us. For all of creation is waiting, yearning, groaning for the time when the sons and daughters of God are seen. How can you be seen as a son and a daughter if you don't know it? If you don't think it? if you don't walk in it all the promises are ours in Christ Jesus because you're a son and a daughter you're pure he does not look at you with problems you know when you've got issues all you have to do is say Jesus you don't have them and you live in me just wash it you don't have that issue well, another thing that's happening with this son and daughter thing, and I think Trent's preparing a sermon, and I bet it's going to be a little bit on this. But I want to I read this because Ron reads to me every night. And, uh, yeah, I have to have my bedtime stories. Anyway, and um, he was reading this to me last night, and I said, Oh, my goodness, Lord, change me from the inside out to know what a, what a daughter I am. You to know what sons you are. The sky's the limits when we know. Well, it's called poverty thinking versus life or Zoe thinking. But what I saw was, then the Lord showed me this. He said, poverty thinking is just a lack of love. He said, you can put the love chapter in there too. When you don't know you're loved. And you don't love others, you have poverty. It's just, it's what it is. So you put the word love in there. And it's the same, it's the same story. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. Poverty thinking says, and so I'm gonna say lack of love thinking too. If it's going to be, it's gonna be up to me. We just read that. But life thinking, or Zoe, says the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. Poverty thinking says, or lack of love, you don't know who you are. I'm a victim. Things just happened to me. I was born in the wrong family. If I'd only been, and I've said those things, I'm sorry, I have. Love thinking says, I'm a son and a daughter. I'm an overcomer. That means that I'm going to have some things to overcome, which will only strengthen me and write my history with God. And that, what did we say? These first-generation people, this what was that word that we were using? Transitional or pioneer. Okay, so you've had some overcoming things. It's just strengthened you, and it's going to make you strong for others and your history with God. Poverty or lack of love looks at a situation in terms of what is humanly possible. I can't ever see how we're going to get out of debt. Zoe thinking, because God doesn't love you, I can't see how we're ever going to get out of debt, and it's my responsibility. Rather than God loves me, I'm his daughter. And his riches are endless, and he'll take care of me. Zoe thinking, or life thinking, or love, child, looks to partner with God, with the God of the impossible. The anthem is, we cut off the giant's head, we eat giants for our bread. I see things differently. The impossible looks logical to me. I think it does to royalty. Have you ever seen anybody that... um, they always are expanding they always know about finances they always they they never have a thing of thinking little they never they don't they don't think little they don't think oh it's not possible they don't think those things and i'm like lord it's time for the body of christ for me to change and i still say the issue comes down to there's no fear in love poverty will go when you know how loved you are And you know you're a son and daughter. That's the issue of poverty. Poverty, and I I saw this. Do you know that you can choose not to be jealous? Love is not jealous. And I love one of the translations that says love chooses not to be jealous. Jealousy is a nasty, nasty thing. Because it doesn't hurt the person you're jealous of. It hurts you. It hurts you. You're the less than, you didn't get, whatever the thing is. Poverty uh, thinking gets jealous when someone else gets blessed or has a testimony. What if someone that's not, we don't know yet, gets raised up out of this church and is a miraculous musician and you've been working on music all your life. Jealousy destroys you. You know, we had people leave the church and go help Chad start his church up in in Indianapolis. Ron and I have had not one jealous thought. I am thrilled. Yeah, I miss them. I was glad to see Tom and Julie and Heath and Brittany yesterday, but, but their relatives are getting saved, and it's everything we've prayed for. And I am rejoicing, and I thought, God, I thank you. I thank you if churches expand in this area. I thank you for the work of God. I thank you for what you're doing. Jealousy only comes when you don't know how loved you are. It does. You don't have to be jealous about anything. Somebody gets picked ahead of you, it's okay. Papa loves you. If somebody gets noticed and you don't, somebody gets the girl or the guy, so what? You know what? God's working your destiny out for good and perfect. I, I'm telling you, if we see des- jealousy destroyed in our lifetimes, that is going to be an amazing thing. I hate, I believe jealousy is right along with bitterness, and I hate it. I think it's one of the most ugly creatures, demons. I'd love to see the face. But I do think it is one of the most ugly creatures there is. I really do. Do you all know you are so beloved you have nothing ever to be jealous about? Nothing. Your father owns everything and he owns you. So you're rich. No jealousy. I'm not jealous over big churches. I told Ron, we've talked about it, and we say all the time godliness with contentment and godliness just Jesus in the home. It's great gain. I've been in nice places. I've been in big places. We've got a lot of things in our house that need fixed right now. It's just the way it is. Our bathroom upstairs don't work. Oh, well. And there's mold all over everywhere. Oh, well. I love that house. I love all the memories. I love that my husband built it. And I don't care if it looks like HGTV. I don't. HGTV promotes jealousy. I don't have to have all of that. Do you know what makes me happy? What makes me happy is the now. I don't care if we have a huge sanctuary. Yeah, I want lots more people saved. Okay. I say yes to that. But I love what's here. I love everyone here. I'm like way content. Except I know there's more of God I don't have. And I'm not content about that. Jealousy, poverty get thinking gets jealous when someone else gets blessed or has a testimony. And I'm not going to say all of the situation, but I've been so proud of Josh and Brian because there's been a situation where they've had to, and I said, how, how do you guys feel about that? And they're like, ah, we don't care. We're blessing them. And I'm like, God, show yourself strong and mighty. Demonstrate your glory. That's not competition. You guys were not in competition. Poverty thinking believes, I will never get my break. Doesn't that sound like somebody unloved? I'll never get my break. But a loved person knows you have the attention and favor of the God of the universe. And when the time comes for you, you'll be promoted. He will open the doors that no man can shut. Until then, you serve and work as if you were working for your Lord, the Father. Poverty thinking or unloved says if I had more money or if I just had one more thing or a spouse or a job or, or and, and mine was if you just heal my baby, then I would be happy. And the Lord goes, that you'll never be happy with all those things. If you'll bring my kids home, I'll be happy. If you just heal Ronald of cancer, then I'll be happy. No, I'm happy because I'm loved forever. Forever loved. Forever loved, you guys. Forever loved. Never rejected. Now that's something to be happy about. Stephen De Silva describes it this way. Or um, feeling loved. Even as you passionately run after the things God has put on your heart, you do it from a place of rest and gratitude, knowing that your source of happiness is not achievement, but is abiding presence. Unloved thinking approaches a situation full of worry, anxiety, greed, panic, and feeling out of control. Been there, sorry. Loved thinking is full of peace, relaxation, trust, joy, and a sense of dominion. Unloved thinking, poverty, learns to see life through the lens of their disappointments and valleys. That's all they can see. Loved thinking grows through the trials and valleys, but learns to see it from the mountaintops as well. And when you renew your mind from poverty thinking to Zoe thinking or from poverty thinking to being loved, then you will see the realities change. You'll see them through God's eyes. I love the God we serve, and I love what he has for us. It is incredible, and it is amazing, amazing, and it's going to be wild, and it's going to be great. Seriously. Let's stand. I wanted to pray for something together this morning. Uh, I want to pray um, for a couple things. There was a lady, I just saw it on the news, and I don't watch the news much, but she was slamming trump and and she was about the uniting of families well that hit me because that's the family mountain that we feel so strongly about i want to i want to make a statement about the family mountain because ron and i were talking about it you raise your children intentionally to love god that's what the family mountain does you raise intentionally john the baptist was raised intentionally jesus was raised intentionally Royalty is raised intentionally. We homeschooled because it said train up your children when they rise up and when they go to bed. You can't raise your children intentionally and have them gone all the time. You can't raise your children uh, intentionally and never be together at a meal. You can't raise your children intentionally and be on the road traveling from one thing to another. I'm telling you, we did it. And we were losing our children. You can't raise, and I'm not saying that you have to homeschool. I'm saying you have to raise your children intentionally. You have to have times where you have prayer and Bible reading and training of your children in your home. This church was called to raise up a family mountain, and it is about raising your children intentionally. God will raise them. God will do the work. But parents, you have a call to raise intentionally. So here's this woman, and she's supposed to be reuniting families or whatever in California, and she wants Trump impeached. And so it's a big, nasty impeach Trump thing, and it's just whatever. I mean, it's just news. Isn't it just news? Okay. But the thing that grieved me was, one, it was a woman. And I've been crying out for womanhood again, that they would understand their call. Do you know we're the life-givers of the home? Do you know that we're called to create the garden within? We were called. And when you are called as a life-giver and you're called to raise your families intentionally and you destroy the nation through your bitterness and your unforgiveness and your junk, then you aren't being the mighty women of God that He's called us to be, and I wanted us to pray for that today. I wanted I wanted uh, the husbands and the men around to lay hands on the women. Just put your hands on them as our gardens of Eden, of our, as our life givers. Here's some women. Don't have any guys, boys. Find find a woman to put your to lay your hands on. That didn't sound right, but. Father, we accepted the call as Eve life givers a long time ago. And that's Zoe. And that is the life of Jesus Christ. And it is intentional. And we accepted it. And we thank you for that call on our lives. Lord, we're mighty women of God. And we've chosen that banner. Lord, we're daughters and we're royalty along with your sons. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask you to tear down the hatred in our nation that has risen up, the bitterness in women, the jealousy in women, and Lord, the venom in women against men, against leadership, against anything, Lord, that um, can entice and turn things into a bitter war. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak as the women of God, and we say, come down. Come down, hatred. Come down, bitterness. Come down, jealousy. Come down, lies. And, Lord, we do ask that you would raise up the mountain. Of the Lord, we do ask that you would raise up the homes and the families. We do ask, Lord, that you would raise up the godly and unite families and bring prodigals home. We do ask that you would heal our land. But we ask you, and we bless our president. We bless our leadership. We bless those that are in office. We bless all of those, Lord, endeavoring to work for you, God. We bless them in Jesus' name. And we ask you to guide them. We ask you to protect them. And we ask you, Lord, to protect this nation. And God, we ask for revival again in Jesus' name for our nation. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message.